Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I have a returning guest here. If you didn't know, she was on the podcast probably in my first 50 episodes, I want to say, two years ago. And we will link to the episode in the show notes if you want to check that one out as well. So welcome to the show, Dr. Karen. What's going on? Getting ready for the holidays. (laughs) We are, disclaimer, this episode is going live in like February, but we are recording this like week before Christmas. So and just putting that disclaimer out there. Yeah, but well, it'll every- be almost Valentine's Day then. So yeah, so we'll go. be like over like the candy canes and thinking about candy hearts when this episode airs, and just more <laughs> candy and more giving and all that fun stuff, and probably just a lot colder. But tell everyone listening who isn't familiar with who you are, who are you, and your journey to SLP ness here today. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let's see. Where could I go with my origin story? So I. I started back in uh, 2004. I spent 14 years in the school systems and was getting my doctorate at the time and also was working on my director of special ed credentials. So during that time, while I was getting my doctorate, I did a number of different administrative projects for the director of special ed credentials. So I was always trying to figure out where I could be doing something else, just, you know, kind of an additional project that had to do with the way that services were provided in my building, partly because I get bored really easily and I always am kind of looking for projects to do, but also because I just get really impatient with things and I like to get things done if I see that there's an issue. And so I always had that idea of, you know, where can I figure out creative ways to get things 
accomplished within my role as an SLP and think a little bit more flexibly about how I can provide services. So that was, I finished my doctorate in 2014 and was kind of thinking about going the special ed director route. So I was kind of looked that way. I also really like research. So I was looking at higher ed and was just sort of going all these different directions and decided to just start creating some of my own resources. And so instead of going and teaching for a university, even though I did a couple adjunct assignments and really liked it, what I ended up doing was just creating my own course and starting a business on the side where I, the very first product suite that I created was surrounding language therapy and really was a lot of what I did during my doctoral work as far as that research. But at the same time, I was also doing a lot with just the idea of providing services, just broader special ed with the whole team. So I was doing both of those things at the same time. And so I have, in the last time I was on the show, I talked about my language therapy framework and how I support SLPs in therapy when they have a student in front of them. But some of the things that I've been branching out to recently are more in the lens of leadership, just because I was finding as I was supporting SLPs with language therapy, they were getting to this point where it was like, you know, this is great. I know what I'm doing when I have a student in front of me. I have a framework. I feel more confident in my direct therapy, but I still feel limited in what I can do because I only have so much time with my students. And, you know, as you know, there's this whole team effort in order for a student to actually be successful. So really, that's more what I'm working on now is supporting SLPs, but also really the whole IEP team and figuring out how to provide comprehensive services for kids in schools and just in the community in general. So interesting. It's so amazing that you've realized this need based on the initial training that you're providing SLPs. Mm-hmm. I know for me, we weren't taught leadership in schools. So yeah. what advice would you give to someone like saying like, leadership, I'm just an SLP. Like, who am I to be a leader? Yeah. I mean, and I I really like the idea of the de facto leadership. And I think that it's really not necessarily about your job title. It's about how you show up and what you do. And there's really a lot of ways that a lot of times people feel like they have to ask for permission for things. Like they need some kind of administrative approval for this or for that. And honestly, if you are in a position where you can build a good relationship with your administrators and they know that you're there to support the students and you gain their trust, a lot of times they'll give you a lot more support and leeway than you realize. There were a lot of times when I just kind of would come to my building principal and be like, hey, I'm doing this thing this year. And they'd be like, okay. You know, like I wanted to trial three to one model flexible service delivery. And I remember we had a special ed coordinator in my co-op and she was not a person who directly supervised me, but she was just kind of there as a resource for us. And she was like, are you going to get approval for that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're going to let me do it because I knew how to present it to them. I could kind of understand my administrator's preferences and tendencies so that I knew how to present it to them so that they were like, okay, yeah, go ahead. And same with the teachers. I knew how to kind of talk to them in a way that it made it seem like it was a win for them. Like, for example, one of my administrators, he was very efficient. He was always the guy that's like, if the staff meeting is supposed to be done at 3.30 or wrapping it up at 3.29 and we are out of there. And so I knew that when I went to 
go talk to him. I had to present it in a way where it's like, this is going to be something that's helpful for the students. But also I had to make sure it was a way that number one, he knew that I was going to take care of it. It was going to take work off of his plate and he knew it was going to be done really efficiently. I think that a lot of times when SLPs present things to teachers, administrators, we get really excited about our ideas and we're like, oh, this cool thing. You got to try this thing with your students. But a lot of times if it's presented in a way that makes the other person feel like it puts work on their plate, then they're like, oh my gosh, this is another thing that I have to do when really you might know that this is actually going to help your students. It might save you time in the long run. But if you don't present it that way and you don't understand how it is for them, then you don't get as much support. So I I guess I would share for SLPs that the relationships are key, but I think you have to really not be afraid to make suggestions and just take initiative and present things, but also kind of think of a way to understand what that other person's, you know, what are the things that are driving them crazy and what's going to make them, you know, what's going to make their life easier. I think that's really the key thing that we want to think about. I know one administrator in my building, I one time came to her like, I needed like a space to do something. And yeah. I was like, before I came to her with the problem, I go, I already have a solution for you. I already yeah. checked out who's absent today. And, and can, I, can I just get keys to open that room? She's like, you got it. Going, yeah. knowing that they don't want to have one more thing to worry about for a little old SOP in the building mm-hmm. and, and coming with the solution and also the rat and teach and showing them the benefits. Right. I love yeah. it. I love it because I can see the three to one model being kicked back to me because I'm on the teacher union. And I'm supposed to be having the same amount of contact hours as the mm-hmm. teachers and yada, yada, yada. What would you say to someone like me who can say, I know exactly what they're going to say back to me if I was going to present that? So if with the three to one model, I think the biggest thing that you need to sell, well, well, number one, it doesn't have to be this exactly the three to one model. That is one way that it's been trialed. It could be like five to one. It could be you're within your work week. Maybe you have an afternoon that's your You know, like I know I've known SLPs that have just found a way to magically cram all their therapy sessions into four days and it's really busy, but then they have their Friday, for example. So that would be my first thing is that it doesn't have to be three to one. That's just a starting point. But I think the biggest thing that you need to sell is the other types of service delivery and the other types of contact that you're going to have. It needs to be really clear that that other week or whatever it is, is not a week off. Because that's often how it's perceived. And that's not really what it is. And I think this is something that SLPs can think about as well, where there are other ways that we can provide services besides direct therapy. Obviously, that's a huge part of what we do. It's super valuable. It's how we are trained. But the consults and the observations and getting into classrooms and those types of things, or even just the trainings that we can do for teachers are other types of service delivery. And yeah, you do have to get creative with how you present those things. So yeah, I mean, that's something that you might be able to try just a little, like little portions of it. And maybe you don't try to go for the whole three to one model at once. If you know that you're going to get a lot of pushback, if you can maybe see if you can get approval for a trial of a smaller version of it or try it for a couple months, there might be ways where you can start to get those micro yeses before you get the full yes. I think that's another thing I would tell people is that when we're thinking about advocacy and changing people's beliefs, it's not 
something that where it's like, well, I had this conversation or I sent this email and nothing happened. It really does need to be continuous over time. It's not going to be something that happens right away. So I think we need to get away from the cause and effect. Like I tried it and it didn't work because it really does take time. And I think that for that kind of thing, if you know you're going to get pushback, then, you know, building those relationships and finding other ways that you can be valuable are going to be key so that they trust you. So, so true. I I love that, that like getting those micro yeses to get them comfortable and saying, oh, that SLP knows what she's talking about. Like you have to kind of show them that it works, especially if they're skeptical, you know, like give them some evidence to go off of. They might not be able to be like, yeah, go ahead and do it for the full year. I mean, but maybe you can give them a little bit, a little bit of data because that's a reasonable thing for them to ask for, honestly. And on the same note, what advice would you give to an SLP, say, with a teacher not wanting to take their advice on how to work with that child and carry over these skills and utilize strategies? And So that one, I think, comes up a lot as well. I would say the same thing as before is that you do really need to understand what you're asking of them. Because if you present it in a way that feels like it's more work, then they're not going to want to do it. And that's totally reasonable. But I think the other thing with teachers is that sometimes when you think about building relationships, and I know this is really frustrating if you have a a teacher and there's a ton of your kids in their class and you're struggling to get through the year. I know that's really hard, but I would say And I tell SLPs this when I, you know, I say like, it's okay if you're not friends with everybody right away and you don't have all these creative ways that you're providing services. It's okay to just focus on your direct therapy, you know, right away and like get comfortable with that when you're, especially if you're a new SLP. But while you're doing that, that's where you can start to build some relationships with people so that when you do try to make suggestions to teachers, you've done it proactively. And yes, I know that people probably already have some situations where they're like, how do I deal with this? But I would say that if you can focus on building one relationship at a time and go for the people who seem open already, go for the low hanging fruit first and see the people who are already open to working with you and then do this kind of the same thing that I said before, where it's show that you can be valuable and show that teacher that you can do something valuable in their classroom. And then, you know, that teacher is kind of a reference for you. And then they can, you know, talk you up and then you can sort of build off of that. You know, they can talk to the other teachers in their grade level, like, you know, this SLP came in and did this thing and it was so helpful. And over time, you might not get all of the teachers that on board right away, but the amount of people who are willing to work with you will increase over time. And yeah, there are going to be some people who are set in in their ways, but you never know, you know, like as you start to get more well-known in your building, that can improve over time. And the other thing that I think is, it's hard, we're all busy, but I think if you utilize the other disciplines, like the psychologist, the social worker, counselors, OTs, whoever else is on the team, You know, I always had some really good partnerships with the social worker and psychologist because we would do a lot of the same things when it came to evaluation and testing. So another thing that you can do is kind of, you know, pool your resources with them and then maybe you can kind of work on some of those things together so that you have somebody else who's helping you out and brainstorming and it's kind of a peer to help you through that. 
uh, because it's going to be a lot easier for you to work with other people if you have somebody else who's kind of on the same page as you and trying to do the same thing. So that could be helpful as well. I love that. And I always find using IEP meetings as an opportunity to like basically showcase like, hey, this is what I'm doing with the kids. Like so many Mm -hmm. times people think students are with me for working on R. And I'm like, when I speak up at meetings, I'm like, guys, one, did you read the IEP? There are no articulation goals. And two, like, (laughs) like, did you ask me? Three, like, it's my chance to be like, this is what I'm doing with the students. This is what's working. And hoping that maybe the teacher will carry some of these skills over because they heard how this student's being successful with me. So yeah. using those opportunities just kind of showcase our role and responsibility and what we, our students are capable of doing with us. Just sometimes that <laughs> built-in yeah. time to do it. So might as well take advantage of it. Oh, yeah. I always like the IP meetings. Maybe I'm a weirdo, but I think that's one of the things that I miss the most out of being in the schools. I loved, you know, when you have a few minutes in between the meetings or we would all, you know, do all the meetings on one day and go to lunch. And I mean, I enjoyed those days. I, I miss that about working in the schools, IEP meetings. Even like a, just a couple of weeks ago, after I presented a case and I was talking about executive functioning and the language piece of it, yeah, my coworkers were like picking my brain. I'm like, oh, wow, you actually hear what's in my brain like <laughs> yeah. you know what I have to say who knew like just little things of showcasing your knowledge in those opportunities that's like to brag or not to show right. up but just utilizing those times to advocate for ourselves and our knowledge base our scope mm-hmm. people don't realize on that note what advice would you give to an SLB who's struggling with like there is a large caseload lot going on they know what the needs of the students are but they don't know how to advocate for them Beyond just like the three to one kind of thing. Yeah. So the concept that I I kind of intuitively did it and recently I've just sort of given it a name, but I refer to it as asset stacking where you cannot just like, yes, in an ideal world, you should have relationships with the teachers and you should have trainings developed to do a presentation or tools to send home with parents and all of that stuff. I actually just created a free guide with things that you can build, but it's not intended to do that at once. It's something where you, you do it in layers. And the first thing that I recommend people do is really just block out, try to get control of how you're spending your time and then think about something that you want to accomplish over, you know, maybe like the next nine months or so. And just think about that, but then, you know, figure out like how you're spending your time each day. And what I do is I start out with an 18 month goal or, you know, a nine month or however long, like something that I want to do over the long period of time. I did this one. I did three little one. I did it with my doctoral dissertation. But when you have a big project like that, you've got to start at the end and then work backwards to figure out what do I need to be doing right now to get to this end goal. And what a lot of people end up doing is that like they, they don't do that. And so it's easier to put off what little thing you can be doing for that long-term goal and just put it off because you've got other fires to put out. So I recommend people figuring out what needs to happen, but then you almost need to kind of time block and really pay attention to how you're spending your time right now. And if you can just block out a little bit of time, this is a strategy that I teach people. I refer to it as my master planning process. But if you can figure out just a little bit of time to focus on something that's long-term, 
you just focus on building one thing at a time. So really, you don't have to create all this stuff at once. All you want to do is build one thing and you want to think about building something or focusing on a skill or a relationship that's going to help you to be more efficient with your time. So once you've established whatever it is that you're working on, that should have been, in theory, make you more efficient. So then you're like, okay, I built this thing. I've thought about how I'm going to create this. Now it's done. Now I can move on to the next thing. So some specific examples of how you could use this is like, let's say that, you know, it's the beginning of the school year and you want to do some kind of a parent newsletter or something like you're sending materials home. Well, so you're going to have, you know, your time, you're going to block out your time to do all the stuff that you absolutely have to do. And then when you have extra time, then you just spend it on building that resource. Eventually, you're going to have stuff that's created that it's done. And so now you can move on to the next thing. And in theory, those resources are going to add up over time. So that's the biggest thing is don't do it all at once. And if you can spend some of that extra time focusing on things like learning skills or building relationships, then, you know, maybe you're, you spend that extra time building a relationship with your school psychologist. Well, that relationship could actually be something that either helps you to better serve your caseload or, you know, if you guys are working together on something, then that could actually help you be more efficient because you don't have to do it all yourself. So when I think about it like that, I think about one thing at a time. I do think about long term in addition to what do I have to be doing right now. And then I also think about, you know, what are some things that... I can build that are going to help me be more efficient that I can kind of stack over time. So that's the biggest thing is that, yeah, you have to do all these things, but you also want to do it, you know, strategically and not try to do it all at once because then you're just going to burn yourself out and not stick with it and get frustrated. And then you just go back to doing things the way that you've always done them. And that's the way that I think about it is one thing at a time. <laughs> and I love it that you said, like, it's not something that you're going to do in a month. It was nine months. 18 months like you were thinking really long term because you're realistic on how much of this extra time do we really have right like maybe it's a you know once a week when my individual student is absent or something like that like right Right. and then we you know you know exactly how to spend that time how much time do we actually spend where it's oh my gosh i have an extra 30 minutes what do i do with this well if you have your plan it's like the decision's already made and you can just get right to work versus fumbling around thinking, what should I do for these 30 minutes? And then, you know, Googling or checking your email or whatever it is. So if you do have that planned out up front, you do your, your time better because you made the decision already. I love that. And I love that even like I do that with even reports I have to write. Like, okay, yeah. I know this report is due in three weeks. I'm going to schedule in not when it's done, but when am I working on it? When am I testing that yes. kid? When mm-hmm. am I scoring that kid? When am I writing it up? When am I proofreading it? When am I handing it into the psychologist? Like all those things, you can map that out this way. You're not scrambling. Now, granted, things happen. I have a kid right. that I was supposed to test for today. He's been out. I was out. It is what it is. <laughs> you have to, we're going to make it work. But. I know myself, I don't do well under pressure like that. So I always like to make sure I have a plan in action. This way I'm not scrambling the last minute. So, oh, yeah, that makes me so stressed out. I always think to myself, 
you know, where I'm like, this is when I want to do it. But then I have this backup plan. I always give myself a cushion because <laughs> I'm like, what if I get sick? What if they're not here? What if this takes me longer than I think it's going to take me or whatever? You never know. Like, you never yeah. know if the student never ceilings, like when you think they're gonna, it just takes oh, forever to uh, like. <laughs> and they're like, why are you? You're still answering correctly. We only had 20 minutes. I only got the one subtest. What is going on now? Like I've had students where I had to do like a couple items and had to reward them. And that just took forever. Mm-hmm. If I waited for the last second to do that, there is no time. But instead, yeah. I made sure I had a, devoted a week of opportunities to do so. So just always being mindful of all the tasks not yeah. and, and making this advocacy goal of yours and making it long term. Right. I love it. Yeah. Versus, I mean, it's not going to be something overnight. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's got to be, I think another thing is that sometimes you want to always focus on the outcome, but sometimes you have to focus on the process and the actions that just show up and do the thing. (laughs) You know, it's like networking. It's just sometimes kind of vague and uncertain, Mm. I guess. And I think that that sometimes in our field, we don't like that. We don't like (laughs) uncertainty. (laughs) We want the hard data. We want proof. We want evidence. Like... What do you mean we're out of control? Like, yeah, we like to be in control. That is very, very true. What advice would you give to someone who says, that's cute, Karen, but I can't do it? Oh, okay. As far as just um, being a leader, making change, Um, stepping into this leadership role that their students can benefit from. You know, I think, oh, gosh, there's so many different things that I could say. You know, I think. Just don't underestimate the impact that you can have. I think that change does need to happen from the top at the, you know, the people who are in the positions that we traditionally think of as leadership positions, but they don't have all the information about what's happening. And so a lot of times these leadership efforts do need to emerge from grassroots effort or emerge from the bottom in order for them to be well informed. And when you have the right systems and practices in place, you can make a way bigger difference than you realize. There's, you know, I, I just see so many examples of leadership within the SLP community, the clinical community with, you know, teachers who are doing all kinds of work, you know, like creating materials for other professionals, um, you know, creating resources for parents, doing that both at their job, serving their current caseload, doing things on the side, starting businesses. There's so many people who are taking initiative because they feel like within this current situation that I'm in, I'm limited if I just, you know, stay here and accept it. So there's just, we can't always wait for permission to do those types of things because the people who are making those decisions don't have all the information. And, you know, I would say that most leaders, uh, people who are in the official leadership positions really want you to do things like this. They want people in their buildings to be taking initiative. It just, it needs to come across like, you know, here's a solution that I have. It just, you don't want to come across like you're just whining without a solution. Not that, you know, I think that a lot of times people just feel frustrated and that's why it comes across that way. But I think that if you create the space to get yourself in the headspace where you can start to solve problems, 
and just, you know, allow yourself to believe that it's possible, then really there are a lot of times solutions come to you. So you kind of just have to show up and give yourself the space to do it. Love it. Thank you so, so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge and expertise from your own experience and experience of the SLPs you have worked with. Where can everyone learn more about you and everything you have to offer? So let's see. I will start off with, I just rebranded my podcast. It was originally called Are They 18 Yet? in the parenting category. And now it is called De Facto Leaders because it's all around this concept of de facto leadership among clinicians and educators. So to learn more about where you can listen to episodes, obviously it's on all the directories, but that website is drkarendudekbrannon.com. And if you go to the blog page, you'll be able to see the podcast. Um, and I spell it just DR, not the whole word doctor. And then I have my other site, which is drkarenspeech.com. And then I am also on Facebook, Dr. Karen Speech and Language. And let's see, on Instagram at Dr. Karen Speech Language. And we're going to have links to everything in the show notes, as well as free resources you have with the your free guide, the 30 skills and tools to foster generalizations. We'll have a link to that as well in the show notes. So make sure you go check that out. So thank you so, so much for joining me today on another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I always like to end my episodes with a joke. And you came prepared with a joke for I did for us. Okay. What do you have? So how can you tell if a farmer is good at their job? I don't know. Um, they're outstanding in their field. Love it. I, I love it that it, was, it goes with the theme, it, the use of language and vocabulary. Which yep. I, that's why I love using jokes in my speech room. So that is a good one. So thank you so, so much for joining us. Everyone, check her out. Check her podcast out. Check everything else she has to offer. The link to the freebie in the show notes. And until next week, everyone, stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.